Welcome to the Red Carpet Cafe with your hosts, Eric Root and Bree Prout. All right, you're listening to the Red Carpet Cafe and my lovely co-host, Bree Prout. And, of course, myself, Eric Root. Today we are going to talk about Casablanca. Not really about the location on the map. This would be the original Humphrey Bogart film starring Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Berman along with several other amazing individuals, including Peter Lorre. But uh, this is one of the films that are near and dear to my heart. I'm a huge uh, Bogart fan. I haven't seen all of his films, but I have seen quite a few. The two that I love the most are this film, Casablanca, and the Maltese Falcon. Um, the one that I'm actually the least kind with is the African Queen. To me, it was a harder one to watch, but that's why we're not going to talk about that particular film. So, Casablanca. Bogart plays the character Rick Blaine. Ingrid Bergman plays Lisa Lund. Paul Heinrich plays Victor Laszlo. Claude Rains plays Captain Louis Renault. And the film is set in Casablanca uh, over outside of any area that's occupied by Nazi Germany. It is during World War II. Mm -hmm. And we come to find out that the character Rick at one point was over in Paris. Yep, he was over in France, in Paris, France, and uh, he had left as the Nazis were invading France. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had split at the time, or got got lost from uh, Lisa Lund, who ends up eventually showing up in Rick's joint in Casablanca with Victor Laszlo. So the whole premise of the film is that Laszlo is wanted by the Germans and he is trying to flee to America with Lisa, but they need visa passports in order to do so, traveling papers. Rick is one of the few people in Casablanca that's connected that he can make it happen, but all eyes are on him trying to prevent him from doing just that, supplying those travel papers so that they could flee. Um, and then, of course, uh, Captain Louis Renault is a local, I guess you'd call him local chief of police or constable for Casablanca, and is basically trying to just appease everyone because the Germans don't have jurisdiction there to do what they want, and he's trying to prevent them from getting aggressive to the point where maybe they come invade just so that they can take over. He likes being kind of the neutral side. Mm -hmm. What do you have on Casablanca? What do you like about this film? Uh, so when I watch this, I cry every time. <laughs> um, I think that it hits a lot of the, um, the romantic notes. And it's more so, um, for me, it's realizing how much um, Rick really does love Ilsa. And that even though they had, like, a brief time together 
in Paris that they continuously go back to and reference, you never really get the full understanding of of her perspective of their time together until closer towards the end. So um, for me, I like, like I'm rooting for Rick the whole time, but then in the end when he makes his final decision in, in getting, um, being able to get um, Laszlo and Ilsa onto a plane to America and all of the hoops and sacrifices that he's making in the process only to out loud verbalize to Ilsa's husband that she doesn't really love him, that she loves her husband so much that she went back to Rick to remember Paris and to ask for these papers so that she and her husband could have this protected life in America and that in that moment is when you realize what he's doing for them. You realize that he's potentially sacrificed his business. He ends up killing a um, a German, um, uh, I don't know if it was, I don't know what his level would have been, a captain. He was, he was a Nazi in the movie, right? Um, he, he has made a deal with, um, with Louis. He has... I don't know if I said this already, sold his business. He's done all of these things leading him to make us as an audience believe and Ilsa believe that somehow they're going to America together and they're going to be in love and it's going to be wonderful. And he made all of those sacrifices so she could be in love, just not with him. Um, and what comes from all of that and Louis kind of seeing all of that is his admiration and respect for Rick because he knows that, um, when Rick first came to Casablanca, like he was a closed off man. He was so like injured and hurt by what happened with Ilsa back in Paris, which slowly unveils itself to us throughout the movie. Um, that he almost admires him and he admires like, you know, he like he understands completely like who he is as a person, what he is and isn't okay with. And Rick wants to be just as neutral as as Louis does. And then in the end, they just become these best friends. I mean, that's what he says. He's like, Louis, I believe this is going to be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. And it's yeah, like, iconic line. Yeah. yeah, the two of them are going to have each other forever. Mm hmm. So. For those that listen to this specific episode, and if you've not seen Casablanca, one, obviously, I'm going to recommend that you watch it at least once. But one of the things to note when you do is watch Humphrey Bogart's performance, even though in each of his films, there's always that moment of he's caught by surprise, but he's not. He comes in with so much charisma and confidence and composure that you can tell that even though a moment may have caught him by surprise, it kind of hasn't because he's clearly two or three steps ahead mm -hmm. of the situation and he's already thought out the various scenarios on how he's going to handle it. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've always been an admirer of his work is that his delivery is, 
you I imagine there's master classes based on just his acting style alone. He just comes in and he'll be sitting down at the bar and someone will maybe he's smoking a cigarette because, you know, back then that there was everybody in Hollywood that was smoking. It wasn't that big of a deal. But he'll he'll make statements that are matter of the fact and, you know, don't do this. But he won't say anything else. And if you do it, he's going to let you know that there's a consequence after the fact. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Peter Lorre has got that unique look anyways on any film that he's ever been in. But he plays Ugart, who is basically someone that is wanted by the Nazis as well. And you see him early on in the film... And he, even though he's a friend of Rick's, Rick doesn't go, oh, yeah, no, I vouch for him. He's like, take him away. Look, I've warned him. Mm-hmm. Don't, play, don't play with fire. But it, it's truly an intriguing film because you can tell that there are moments like when Sam meets up with Ilsa in Rick's place mm-hmm. and she asks him to play the song. And Sam, uh, the, Rick, the way we were, right? Is that what it was? <laughs> <laughs> that that iconic song, um, you know, you must remember this, a kiss is just a kiss, a sigh is just a sigh. Mm-hmm. And Rick hears it and comes over and is like, Sam, I told you never to play that again. And then he's like, oh, <laughs> you. Like, I mean, he's just straightforward. Mm-hmm. It, it's oh, as a, time goes by, the way we were is a movie. <laughs> <laughs> the way we were, I believe, is so, a movie we're going to talk about. At some same point concept. <laughs> But nonetheless, it's still it, it's a song that if you don't even hear the words, but you just hear the music, people go, "Oh, I've heard this before." Mm-hmm. I mean, probably from waiting in uh, line at the Great Movie Ride at Disney's Hollywood Studios when it used to exist. But nonetheless, it's a it's a music that's been out there for so many generations that we hear it occasionally creep up in commercials, uh, and then of course, you know, here's looking at you, kid. Mm-hmm. There's some iconic lines that have uh, stood the test of time. You know, I gotta say, I'm glad that the way it ended was very realistic in the aspect that you can tell that this is a guy who cared about Ilsa. Rick cared about her so mm-hmm. much. And you're correct. He sacrificed everything to make sure that her and her husband could leave Mm -hmm. and be happy. But I think that's why I enjoyed the film is because of the fact that he did stick his neck out. You know, Rick pulled the gun out on Captain Louis Renault and just long enough to get get them on the plane and get them out of there so that they would be out of out of range for him to be able to try and, you know, bring back Laszlo and arrest him. Mm -hmm. I remember reading somewhere, too, that, um, so, I mean, this, they, for Oscars, I think, which I found this strange, and maybe it's just because of how things have evolved over time. The movie came out in 42, but it won its Oscars in 44. But not oh, that I, oh, not okay. that I, not, that's not the point that I was making, but I just, I noticed that and I thought that that was kind of. 
Well, uh, now there could no, there could be something to that. It could be one of a couple of things. Um, there could have been, and I'd have to look it up. I'm just guessing at this point. Possibly a strike in 43 that would have prevented it, or maybe 42 was a limited release. Yeah. And it wasn't really fully released until 43, thus making it eligible for the Oscars in 44, which is probably Same. where I'm going to lean without actually, you know, cheating and looking it up. Yeah. So, well, the Oscars that they won, they won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Writing Screenplay. And I had read somewhere that um, that Humphrey Bogart actually came off of the set of making this movie, like, angry and disappointed because he didn't think that it was good enough. And I guess I don't know the validity of that, but like he, like someone had mentioned whether it was an article or a review or whatever, that, that he didn't feel like it was the masterpiece that it ended up being perceived as. So I think that, I mean, for anyone who isn't, as like well versed or even have the de- has the desire to watch a um an older movie i think that that's something to to keep in mind when you're watching it because in the end i mean i think it's fantastic and clearly i won the awards to prove how great it really is so i think it's very interesting to think that like in the process and being like you know elbows deep in making this movie and having those kinds of feelings um yeah, the results of that, which I think, too, having those feelings kind of play into the character of Rick as we see him. Right. Well, on a side note, Humphrey Bogart gave the impression, at least to me, in what few interviews I saw him do, that he was very critical of everything that he did, his own work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the adage, you know, we're our own worst critics. So that kind of makes sense. Um, Now, he was married for quite a few years to Lauren Bacall. Mm -hmm. Bogey and Bacall. Yeah, it's his last wife before he passed. They lived in the Keys, Florida Keys area. And his son, I want to say Stephen? I believe it's Stephen had for quite a few time or quite a few years had a festival going down in the keys called the Humphrey Bogart Film Festival. I don't know if you were familiar with that or not. Nope. It got on my radar sometime around 2012 or 13 and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I want to go to this because it's basically just as it sounds, it's a festival of all things Bogart." Mm-hmm. And to some extent, like TCM groups, uh, Leonard Malton had embraced it and participated in it. They had panels with uh, some people that were involved with some of the movies that were still around. Um, but in 2017, they shut it down. Mm. And it was because the, it became so popular that the Keys couldn't handle the the crowds. There weren't enough theaters with capacity to be able to handle the volume of people that would go. And wow. I kicked myself for not going because it was such a, a big deal 
when it first came out that since there really weren't any other film festivals this far south of uh, Atlanta. And uh, I know that the website for the Humphrey Bogart Film Festival, when I checked about a week ago, said that they are looking to try and uh, start it back up again once it's safe to do so, but they're looking for a new place to host it because the mm. keys the keys don't have enough hotel rooms for the demand. Um, I'm like, bring it to Central Florida. We've got enough theaters <laughs> around here that probably could use sure. the business after the pandemic. But once they do, I plan on trying to attend it again. Yeah. So I keep my eyes on, again, I think it's... Is it BogartFilmFestival.com or Humphrey Bogart Film Festival? Um, I'm looking at HumphreyBogart.com. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, fun stuff. I really am sad I didn't get to participate in the the few that they had before they shut it down. Yeah, that's really cool. But the fact that Stephen uh, is still with us, and he's a writer for ho- you know various Hollywood projects, he's still actively uh, involved in the business is also uh, impressive as well. Now, he has a sister. I don't know if his sister is as involved with it. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, nonetheless, I'm looking forward to it. But overall, I would say when it comes to that film and on a scale of 1 to 10 travel visas, I'm going to give that (laughs) one... I'm going to give that one a nine only because there are a few things that they probably could have tweaked and it is iconic, but I don't want to come out and say every film's a 10 because it's not. Um, but this one was definitely probably, well, I should say, in my opinion, this film is one of his best works uh, ever done and that's why so many people recognize it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a nine. Um, coming from, again, I said it in a previous podcast, coming from a theater background, um, this is something that people talk about a lot, especially when you take film classes within your theater classes at university. So um, I'm going to go with a nine. Nine travel visas. Okay. Now, you let's elaborate for just a moment, though, on your uh, theater background. So, with your theater background, did you perform in various plays like Cat on a Hot Tin Roof or <laughs> Rent or something like that? Like, or, or you know, Technicolor uh, Dreamcoat? Everything was always a musical with the exception of, um, yeah, everything that I've ever participated in has always been a musical with the exception of It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. So things like The King and I and Fiddler on the Roof and The Sound of Music and Hello, Dolly. And videos of that stuff exists on places Absolutely like... Absolutely not. Bree does Broadway.com? Is no. That, is that even a no, thing? Nope. I, I, I don't have any me? access to any archives of anything. Oh, that's too bad. Because <laughs> maybe our one... Listener may want to actually catch some of the. <laughs> I joke. I, there's probably two listeners besides yourself and myself. I don't uh, know, maybe maybe more. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. I would never have any evidence of that for anyone to view. 
No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, we thank you for listening to Red Carpet Cafe on uh, this particular episode with Humphrey Bogart and Casablanca. Uh, once again, my name is Eric Root and, and I'm my Bree host. Prout. I'm sorry, one more time. <clears throat> Bree Prout. Okay. I just want to make sure you said Bree Prout and not Be Proud. <laughs> because if you uh, want any more additional information about Bree's performances in her Broadway shows, God. you can find out more information on our website, the Be Kind Rewind Podcast Network website. <laughs> that would be bkrpn.com. Or you can even email us at info at bkrpn.com. Just in the line, make sure you put you want to find out more about Bree's live performances. She may not answer it, but I would still find it extremely humorous. New email, who this? <laughs> well, Bree, and I thank you. And here's looking at you, kid. On the next episode of the Red Carpet Cafe. Alright, um, otherwise, uh, speaking of backwards, let's talk about the movie Tenet. So, officially, the movie Tenet came out in the smack dab heart of the pandemic. That which, is correct. Which meant that it didn't do as well as it probably would have done had it been in the theaters regularly it had all the makings for a blockbuster film and i'm sure it did make some money because it did become available after a while for early pre-order mm -hmm. um, but the film itself the generic label on it to try and get people hooked is that it's about a secret agent that's given a single word as his weapon and sent to prevent the onset of world war three 